Linux OTC. Welcome to episode eight. We're your hosts. I'm Bill. I'm Norbert. I'm Leo. Doki. And right, so. I managed to find a browser tab with the video code in it. So, What's that? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, you can see me. Yeah. Hurry, switch. I've away, got switch like to to get all of this up on these monitors and and like keep an eye on it in a way that makes sense and is is useful. It's basically I use the Chrome. Ew, you already said the web wrong app word. thing. Ugh, delete that. Yeah, well, that's that's the one I we interviewed the uh the developer for Video Ninja on Mintcast and even he said that Chrome is probably Chromium is probably the best option. Oh, so wait, so I, you say Chrome, but like do you mean Chrome Chrome like Google Chrome or you mean like oh I'm no, using Vivaldi, Chromium. Though. Well, Chromium, okay. just bare bones Chromium. That uh, way I don't not... have to use any of their stupid APIs or anything like that. To... Why not Vivaldi or Brave? Well, that's a whole lot of extra weight I don't need. I just need the bare bones. I need the absolute least to bring up this uh PWA basically that I made with Chromium to run Video Ninja, and the, when you do that, it basically just sets it up like a window all to itself. Yeah, you can so do, it just needs the those. Chromium infrastructure. Vivaldi is a pretty heavyweight browser. You got a lot of services in there that but I just don't But you can do the web that. apps with uh, Vivaldi, can't you? Yeah, well, I don't know. I haven't tried. I just, I just kind of assume that if it's if you've got the Vivaldi. Uh, process running that it's got certain things. I, do, I just don't know, but I do See, know that this. So is... you're saying a lot of things that may or may not be true over here, Bill. You're saying. Well, I know this works. Heavy weight. That's that's what I know. Okay. Um, but I, I'm but just I in... also know that uh, Chromium has one thing on Vivaldi, and that is that it is open source, and I'm not using any of the closed source bits of Google infrastructure to run this, like you might be doing on Vivaldi. Very common argument that, uh, for Vivaldi is that it's basically Chromium and Chromium, Chromium is open source and only the, their UI is closed source. But once a, just a tiny bit of a program is closed source, then the entire thing is considered closed source. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's unfortunate, but inescapable at the same time. I mean, no, I, I use Chrome, the Google bits of Chrome, um, when I absolutely can't get something to work in Firefox. On the, one hand, something being closed source is not necessarily bad. On the other hand, there are two things that I prefer to be open source, two things that are running all the time for me, my OS and my browser. Yeah, and... Hold on, wait, 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 wait. You're, well, hold on. So you use the Libra kernel? Well... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the proprietary firmware is a is well, closed source and should thus be I, considered closed. That's all I was saying. I was going to say it's a necessary evil, but maybe not because we could just well, you the, could I do mean, without the, the we could have code for your processor and and your if you got Samsung drives, you can do without the firmware that the, fixes all their stupid problems. There's and, still an evil word in necessary evil. So yeah. you know you you know you are absolutely right. It's it's true that there is absolutely <laughs> if you're going to be somebody that's going to get the most out of the machine that you paid for then yeah, you're going to have to accept that you that have to run Windows. Gonna, I know, you, Bill. You've got, you're correct. Yeah, I know. I'm running it right now as we speak. Gross. That's a you're um, not. You're not really. I'm definitely not. Okay. It's it's not running nearly that well. Um <laughs> it no. I'm, I think it's about I, you do make choices, don't you? It's like, okay, where am I willing to sacrifice, and where am I not? And you just you you have all these stories in the zeitgeist and everything about uh, Google and all of their egregious things that they've done, you know. So that's what kind of steers people to try to stay off of Me. as much of their. Yeah, as much of their platform as possible, you know. Now, in in my case, I am literally, you know, the, uh, Steve Segwin says, well, you know, the, Chromium has a bit of a better audio-video stack in it, 
Now, Firefox should work fine, but, you know, I'm really just kind of testing it on Chromium. I'm like, okay, well, all right, uh, I'll just use it for just video ninja and then i've got firefox opened over here looking at the websites that i'm talking about i was so i was thinking that's kind of my compromise i was thinking just the other day how there's been a decade plus old uh problem with the audio i mean has the audio stack analytics or maybe it was always uh problematic with get, people get out of here, Norbert. the audio stack in linux is perfect it complaining about uh, oh, yeah. e- complaining about everything from us to Pulse Audio, and uh, even to, with Pipefire. And I was thinking the other day, how hard both, would it be perfect, by the way. to just port Android's audio stack to Linux? Because uh, many years of using an Android phone, I never really had any problem with audio. So, I mean, it's probably not uh, it's not as complicated because you just have a set of speakers and the headphone jack, and that's it. But and Bluetooth. So are yeah. you are you considering Bluetooth in the equation? Because I think that's where a lot of people have issues. Uh, that's fair. I don't use anything Bluetooth with my laptop or my desktop. Yeah. So once you get Bluetooth into the mix, then everything just falls down. I think even even the main. I use players, Bluetooth even... every day for my talking headset, and I just don't have the problems. Of course, I've got a pretty high end phone. I just don't have the problems that some people have reported with it. I don't know if they're holding it wrong, if they need to turn it off, back well, on again. you got to remember that uh, a lot of these people that are having these problems are, like, using Bluetooth, like, 4 or 3 or 2 or whatever, like yeah. these 10-year-old headphones or whatever, because they still work uh, yeah. with newer stacks. And then just if the stacks aren't exactly what the, what, what the other half expects, then this is where you're going to run into lots of crackling and everything else, so... You never know, and then Bluetooth is just not perfect. Uh, when you're when you're you know within ten feet, it's awesome, um, for the most part, I you guess. Get, but you get the idea. It was something somebody came up with, and they never thought that it would be used to the extent that it is. I don't know. It like I said, I don't have the problems that other people do, but uh, I wonder sometimes if it was ever if it was ever meant to do to be used for this long for this many things. Well, you're you you're know? me now cuz I would always say like, well, I don't have those problems you're having with the Nvidia card. That my stuff just works. And then, you know, it's because I made the conscious choice to buy something that actually worked. <laughs> right. Well, you get what you pay for, don't you? Well, no, and... not really cuz you buy you you pay a premium for Nvidia stuff and then it's still a sub uh uh what, a second class citizen on Linux. So, mm. boy, that is con- that is improving though because I've got that Nvidia card. I've had this laptop with uh an optimus setup in it with nvidia and intel and we'll it will get into the wayland thing with in uh norbert here in a minute but i've been i've had that for probably about six years now and i've kind of watched the evolution of improvement for the wayland story the plasma story and the uh Nvidia story, but that's kind of like saying, uh, you know, Google's Google's improving. You know, I've I've seen them with their security story and their privacy story, and it's getting better. But it doesn't matter because I've still got that terrible taste in my mouth from all of that trash that they've done, in the, you know, prior. So uh, that was a stretched analogy. But was it though? Was it? I mean, Nvidia my, abusing you. I'm okay. So now I'm picturing my laptop upstairs, like waiting to send my pictures of my kids off to the police and that <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> well you knew about this right that pic- that story in new york times about google flagging some guy this is the whole reason i rage quit as much google as i can oh. now. this is a few a few months ago certainly you know about this the the guy that had pictures of his kids uh the mm, bathtub thing yeah, medical yeah. pictures for the, the medical they were medical pictures oh, okay, sent off medical. to Maybe, okay. the doctor and uh, Google flagged that is inappropriate and probably pan them out to, you know, child pornography or whatever, send it off to the police. The police are like, what, what, what is this? And he, it, he ended up being absolved of all of it, but Google said, yeah, no, we're not giving you your, your Gmail back oh, wow. or your photos or anything else that you've got stored on Google. Yeah, so that's the, I, that, that's the thing that uh, Apple got in trouble with. Uh, when they just proposed the idea of like sticking hashes on your phone and then checking it locally or whatever, um, but they they luckily they they took a step back from that one. And as far as we know, as far as we know, uh, they're not doing that. 
So I talked to my 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 son who makes music, and incidentally, he make the uh, theme song for our show. And I talked to him about this because he leans on Apple technology heavily. And I was like, so what? What you know? What, from Apple's perspective, you know, what is the thinking on this? You know, what is the thinking when you when it's been shown that it's probably not the best thing to lean. AI or ML up against, you know, at some point a human being ought to be involved. Shouldn't you just kind of leave these things alone? And his opinion was, well, when you don't do anything, you end up allowing everything. Mm -hmm. And I think Toot Notice kind of running into this problem right now where they're all about, you know, they're one of those, for those not aware, they're one of those email and um, I don't know if they've got a cloud service or not. No, but they, they've, it's, it's an end-to-end -end encrypted email. Um that is privacy respecting and they they have absolutely no filters in place to keep people from doing nasty stuff with it and as a result they've been mostly filtered out of google out of gmail really uh, yeah a lot of the, a lot of their email gets refused because it's got the toot nota because it's being used by uh, bad actors to send crap from here to there, you know, and Google said, yeah, no. Uh, so in some cases, they blocked the entire domain, which, you know, is interesting. It's like there's no middleman on this. You know, you're either all in and, and it's, you know, scor earth scorching uh, practices to keep people safe or else you're just allowing anything through, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the answer is on stuff like that. Well, it's always somewhere in the middle. It is. Nobody seems to want to. I mean, because being in the middle means compromise. constant resources. Yeah, <laughs> it means it mean, well, it, it means that you have does. to actually come to a decision as to how far you want to go with that, and, and no one you, will agree on it. So there's going to be a lot of nuance involved yeah. when you're when you're in the middle, and you got to get human beings involved to actually look at these things and make make decisions. Well, that's, so, that's the thing, right? Like we've we've created this technology as a as a human race, right? Like we've created this technology that can automate a lot of this task. And instead of putting in the, the actual money and, and people and eyes and stuff, uh, we just went with the cheap option and just said, eh, automate it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yep. Well, AI is, <laughs> AI is great. Actually, everything Nobody's I've said having... today uh, was written by ChatGPT. So somebody, uh, a few people have, like, I think Resington at one point started his show with some AI yeah. foolery where he had somebody had AI imitate one of the, I don't know if it was Balaam or one of the others. And it sounded convincing enough. If you weren't, if you hadn't been listening to them for years, but it sounded convincing enough to uh, probably get by. You probably write a whole show with that doggone thing. Oh, you probably could. It, it would be, but, it uh, would be wrong in some spots, which is, uh... it'd be, it'd be wrong in a lot of spots. I mean, it feels sometimes like it gets stuff wrong on purpose just to remind people not to be relying on that. Uh, one thing we can rely on, though, is Flathub, and they, I don't know at what point, I saw a uh, tweet by uh, uh, Jorge, uh, what's the guy with that's Castro. into the, Castro. Uh, he was sharing the news about the new Flat hub. And the reason I say I don't know how old it is because, you know, Twitter is what it is. Sometimes when I get a notification for a tweet, it's three days old already. Hmm. So, but if you go to flathub.org, there is a brand new layout for this. Oh, I didn't um, realize that uh, this was previously on the beta.flathub.org uh, version. I didn't realize yeah, they that, pushed it to was. the main one. The one thing that I still don't see that I wish I did, though, is. So you click on it. Okay, let me make sure I'm not talking out of my hind end. You click on it, and you click on an app that you want on a container or whatever. And you almost, well, you get links to the project website and translations. You get a link to report issues. Oh, they give you install stats. That's cool. Yeah. So I guess this is so much better. This is probably closer to the open source way of handling these things. Do you, I don't know what I was kind of hoping for a social kind of thing here with comments and things, but I guess when I think about it, that's probably never been all that helpful. I just found Adobe Reader on FlatHub, and it says uh, changes in version 9.5.5 almost 10 years ago. 
and it yeah. has a Ubuntu 10.04 style screenshot. Ah, huh. well, what are, well, what are I you mean, doing with Adobe Reader anyway, man? Yeah, there's so many better things out there. <laughs> but no, the Adobe Reader is right there on the front page when you open up uh, FlatHub for some reason. Uh, Firefox right has 2.3 million installed. Flat, just on FlatHub. Just on FlatHub. Yeah, this is not Debs or Snap or anything else. Uh, you can Which are probably even more than the FlatHub installation. Yeah, probably because Ubuntu. Well, is, uh, a lot. Yeah, Ubuntu is lying, relying on the Snap now. Ooh, but the, Chrome has two point five, which is a bit more. Gross. To be fair, Firefox comes pre-installed on a lot of systems. You uh, right, but not if via they're Flatpak, though. I, I no. Yeah. I'm. I off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who ships with a flat pack installed. Um, yes, but probably more people use Firefox as a native package rather than they come with flat pack. No web. Yeah. What was that? Oh, time? it does. Elementary doesn't package Firefox as far as I know. No, they don't. They use GNOME Web by default, and then you can install Firefox by adding Flathub yeah, if that's you true. like. So, so I think um, I think the Firefox and Snap numbers would be pretty clear indicators of you know how many people are actually using the thing but interestingly the firefox flat pack that number represents more than likely people that are going and getting that flat pack on their own yeah, yeah. intentionally the, the yeah. ubuntu numbers are just it's on the system because it came with the system right but firefox on flat pack um i would suppose there are very few distros actually shipping the firefox flat pack as opposed to you know rolling their own deb like linux mint does it's interesting that the Google Chrome flat pack, because that's not actually made, I don't think, and that's another thing about this. Um, it doesn't really, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, if you go to the GitHub page, you can kind of work out who are the people that are actually making this flat pack. Mm -hmm. But you got to, I suppose, if you're not, if you don't know how to do that, then maybe you shouldn't be screwing around with this stuff anyway. But it it felt like there are, it, it it's always felt like to me like there should be a better connection on FlatHub to the the people that actually there is right that here, was the whole you point look, of this beta and that's the whole point of the new interface look at the right but you tag. look at Google Chrome you you look you bring up Google, Google Chrome sure. and you look at the top of the page it says Google Chrome by Google so i can see how people could assume that they are the people that are maintaining this flat pack. Well, you got to look and, for the little check mark. That's the, yeah. that's, I mean, right. Like, so just like on Twitter, uh, well, okay, less now than, you know, before, but uh, like on Twitter, you had the verification system where, you know, you could have three people named Leo, uh, but only the one with the check mark was the right one because there was a, I don't know, maybe like a history of uh, spoofing or something like that. But uh, so now there's a mechanism in FlatHub to do that. So if you find that check mark, um, you can actually, it is the person that writes the software, or at least they're affiliated. I think, yeah. And for the ones that are not, it probably underneath where it says like Google Chrome by Google or whatever, maybe, maybe say right there that this, uh, in some way or another that this is, this flat pack is not maintained by the official Google Chrome project or whatever. I don't know. Maybe right. I'm asking too much. No, no, no. I, I, I think yes, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and I agree. Um, it, also, be... to be fair, if you are downloading from your own uh, distros repo, that is also not maintained by the developers of the specific program. Right. See, I guess or, that's, a, that's actually yeah. a pretty good point, right? Like um, most of the time, the packages on a distribution are packaged by the devs of the distribution, the maintainers, uh, rather than, you know, Google. I think it's fair to say the binaries are maintained by the distribution. Um, yeah, I guess I can I can get with that. So there's a lot of nuance in this concept, I guess, that you've got to consider when you're creating a uh, opinion about packaging. I don't think we're ever going to stop talking about packaging. It's never going to be. It's never going to be a one-stop well, shop as, for Linux. As and far we as, probably shouldn't want it to be. Yeah, as far as Linux user experience goes, um, and not necessarily talking about uh, just uh, well, any user uh, packaging, if not packaging, but installing packages from repos is one of the most central things to Linux. Because yeah. you know it's been used to be 
Well, and now people use Ubuntu. Uh, well, I guess they've always used Ubuntu, but um, well, for years. Uh, and they've moved to Snap. So well, Snap. Snaps are still packages. They are packaged just differently. Oh, okay, okay. So so Snap. Okay, are so the I, same I as well uh, like repository so apt install. I meant in packaging your... in the broad sense of the term. Oh well, I mean yeah, but I guess. That, that's but that's it, true across all the distro or all the uh, all the operating systems, right? Like, but it, the difference is that now Ubuntu can more uh, I don't know more optimized. They have a more optimized method of maintaining several versions of their operating system. They don't have to worry about their tool chain uh, changing and then the applications underneath it or on top of it not being able to keep up, they can just build the snap off of one tool chain and then do whatever they got to do to the underlying operating. So I get it. I get all that. Um, I, I don't I don't even have to get it. Uh, I think what they're doing is great. They should continue yeah. to do snap. I'll also give them that snaps have improved in the past year or so. Yes, they have. More, most, not, most noticeably the, the, the startup speed. Oh, yeah. And my, I, I think snaps are fine. I just don't use them because I have no need for them. But my only problem with snaps really is that uh, they have to decompress, and not uh, not because of uh, the the time that takes, but the memory they it takes. I would assume if uh, if it uh, if a program is closed and it's still cached in memory, but if you need that memory for something else, uh, and then the program gets kicked out of memory, then you would have to decompress it again and load it into RAM again. And you would, I well, assume you would... that is just buy more RAM. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've accepted that reality. Or, or use, <laughs> like, a fancy swap on a SSD or something like yeah. that, right? Like... Not too long ago, I realized that my current Lenovo laptop has soldered RAM 8 gigs, and I can't... I, I didn't really plan on upgrading it, but my previous Lenovo, which was also one of these foldables, had replaceable RAM. And now this one doesn't. Oh, so it's like it's soldered, soldered, as in yeah, yeah. No, I, no open. I, yeah, I mean it's on the board. For some reason, I assume that this, uh, box, this box is my previous. Well, yeah, but yeah, but it's got an open slot where you can put one uh, of the two yeah. in there. Well, it's also an i3, uh, 11th Gen i3, so I don't think I would have to worry about upgrading the RAM. At one point, I might as well just upgrade the entire, replace the entire laptop. See, now that is a terrible thing, and that's why you should buy a framework. A framework. Yes, yeah. as soon as they have uh, touch screens. I will, I will buy one. You can as touch soon the as they screen touch screen. all you want to. It just won't do anything. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah so I have 16 gigs in both my desktop and server. In the server, it's probably overkill because I don't use it for anything that intensive. But yeah. I, you know, uh, just... just... Uh, also, in my old uh, Surface Pro 3 tablet, there's 4 gigs of RAM, and I can use it with uh, with GNOME, with no swap. And I, I didn't create a swap because I wasn't sure how well the uh, the drive in it, the storage, would, uh, would take it. Allegedly, it's not an EMMC, it's a proper SSD, but I don't know how good it is, because it's old. It's probably an M.2, and it's probably the case, yeah. then, yeah. you know... I wonder if we're ever going to get to a point where storage gets so fast that we don't even need RAM anymore. Okay, I mean, it's not it's not true that I don't use swap on the tablet because uh, Fedora sets up the ZRAM by default. Uh, the swap to right. swapping to ZRAM. I think Mint does too, or something. I got running create no, it's ARM being on this Rock Pro created ZRAM by default, which I thought was kind of strange, but, but whatever. I just came to accept that 8 gigs is the bare minimum nowadays, even if you're just using a browser, because right now I am using roughly half of my 8 gigs. I'm using 3.5 and also a fair, fair bit of swap. I have quite a few tabs open in my browser. Also, speaking of Fedora, Wait, something... Wait, we were speaking of Fedora? Well, I mentioned Fedora. We were going to oh. speak <laughs> about Fedora, right? Uh, as a interesting sure. turn of events. Uh, this uh, cycle, Fedora actually released two days before Ubuntu, which uh, I think hasn't happened for a while. They hit their, uh, they managed to hit their first uh, target. It was a week early. Yeah, you know, it um, well, it was uh, the eighteenth, I think. No, 
what day was it? Yeah, they well, mentioned it, it was, in the uh, in the write up of the announcement. They say yeah, it was Tuesday earlier than normal or whatever. I think it was. Uh, you know, I've never paid attention as like I I've never compared them together. They I've always just kind of looked at them separately in terms of their release. Yeah, you know, on, because on paper that. both are uh, planned for an April release. Uh, last uh, six months ago, Fedora was a bit late because of the uh, the mitigations. Yeah. They the I was it Polkit? What was what had to be something had to be patched, and they decided oh, to I just wait that. for the patch. Yeah, I remember what the patch was for. And the, the thing about Fedora is that it's so close to being a rolling release without being a rolling release. Is that I, if I wanted to say and something about my experience with Fedora thirty eight based on the, I think I updated two or three days ago, it's exactly the same as uh, Fedora. 37 know that I'm on my laptop I don't I don't use gnome and usually the one of the most uh, uh, mentioned uh, features of Fedora is having the latest gnome and I use gnome on my lab my desktop but I I've yet to upgrade that because I wasn't sure about the Nvidia stuff speaking of which um, one thing that is interesting to me is that both unless I'm wrong fedora and Ubuntu are both shipping Wayland by default at this point I uh, which... yeah they have for I think for years one Does thing that, is that, that including uh, with people with Nvidia hardware that I was going to say that uh, I think fedora started defaulting to Wayland on the Nvidia drivers with fedora 36 so about a year ago and that was uh, that was when the uh, the Jemmy the uh, Jellyfish LTS came out, and uh, Ubuntu made the last, last minute uh, uh, they reverted the change because Nvidia asked them to not default to Wayland on Nvidia. So I'm not I don't know if since then Fedora, uh, sorry Ubuntu has uh, switched to Fedora. So uh, Fedora, I I'm tired to Wayland on uh, the Nvidia drivers. So it is I would have to check. holding up the process. I, from an Arch user's perspective, it's working fantastic, even on KDE Plasma, mm-hmm. and that's that's even running games on Steam. It's it's giving me frame rates that are just outstanding. OBS Studio works. The whole time I was down at the truck show, um, I was using OBS the not the flat pack. I was actually getting the full. Uh, browser version of OPS from uh, the AUR. And like I said, running that with Wayland, it was stellar. So I think they're there because that's that's what I've got on that machine is the NVIDIA card. And this um, this would have been a year ago-ish that NVIDIA asked Ubuntu not to do that. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I know that for a long time, Upstream GNOME had a, a config that basically said if using NVIDIA property drivers, disable Wayland. It wouldn't even show up in the, the login manager where you would uh, choose your session. I may, they may have, because I know that when I was running Arch, I had to change uh, multiple config files to be able to even have the option of Wayland to try it. And then Fedora just started exposing it and they eventually switched. I mean, didn't switch uh, because, you know, when you install Vinuvo, you have Wayland, and when you install the drivers, it would just default to Xorg, but it would still have Wayland in the in GDM, so you could just easily switch back. But that wasn't uh, upstream GNOME, GNOME's behavior for a long time. It might be now. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I've been using Plasma on that, on that one that I'm using. Uh like I said, I think I think we're pretty much there. I'm not sure. I one thing I've not tried, and it seems to be the last holdout, is um, remote screen sharing or uh, I'd uh, say desktop. There are remote desktop three things. One of them is uh, just desktop capture. The other one is related as a uh, screen sharing, and also window sharing because now you can do screen sharing. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure about GNOME, but uh, on Sway. You can do screen sharing because there's the the XDG desktop portal WLR, and I can just well if if an app supports it, not Discord because it's an outdated uh, version of uh, Electron. But in Firefox, I can just uh, share my screen into any website. The third thing thing is global shortcuts. Uh, again, I'm not sure how GNOME handles them, 
but uh, a few days ago I started using, uh, well, being true to the absolute professionalism we usually have on this show, I'm running on a highly experimental setup right now. I decided to uh, two days ago to switch to and try two new things. One of them is Hyperland, which is like Sway. It's an independently built wallet compositor, and they actually forked the WLR portal. Uh, so now there's an Exegib desktop portal Hyperland, which is a drop-in replacement to the other one, but it has window individual window sharing capabilities. So I assume it's just a matter of time until that gets upstreamed into the actual portal that is maintained by Free Desktop. And uh, because I couldn't comfortably get Hyperland to onto Fedora because it's not in the repos and I didn't want to have to add copper repos, I installed OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. I tried. I've been trying to give it a proper try, and I couldn't really figure out the zipper because it's uh, it's different but now i realize that it's different in a good way and i probably prefer it over would prefer it over both uh, pacman and the and uh, apt so it's probably becoming my second favorite package manager after after dnf so what's it doing that's different uh well they have these things called patterns which are like uh, groups but they are a lot more elaborate if that makes sense uh, and one thing that I couldn't figure out how to do is that if you remove something, then it won't de- remove its dependencies by default. And I had to go through a few uh, Google searches, a few pages to find uh, the actual comment for that. And But most the most notable difference is uh, their very unique way of doing ButterFS and snapshots. I learned that on ButterFS, if you just mount a partition that has subvolumes on it and you open a file manager, of course, you will see the subvolumes as they appear as directories. I knew that. But uh, when I mounted my uh, open source partition on another system, it didn't show subvolumes, it just showed root. Because apparently, you can set a default subvolume on ButterFS that will be the default mount thing that is mounted if you don't specify anything. So yeah, if you look in your F stab, yeah, uh, you know you'll have F stab. <laughs> you have you have dash O and the options and then sub sub wall equals something. Now for the uh, op- well, that's when you're, that's when you're typing it out manually. Yeah. you're you're mounting something, but in the FS table, I'm gonna say it all. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, it just you have it just you know you start with the UUID and then where you want it mounted. And then the file system, which strange, you have to put that in there. But anyway, then all of your options. Now with a ButterFS, one of the options you'll put is where you know where. Like if I'm going to mount that to the root, you know I'm going to put subvol equals at yeah. root. And then from the file system's perspective, that subvolume is the uh, physical location, and then root is the arbitrary location yeah. now where it actually as far goes. as i can tell if you enable snapshots uh, in you check it in the installer OpenSUSE doesn't actually put stuff because they have a subvolume called add because that's uh, that's the standard but then within that within that add subvolume they create all the various subvolumes the slash var slash boot slash grub things and oh, so they do a nested root. kind of thing. Yeah, the nested thing is the what I was most confused about. Because then they would have within within the add subvolume a, a snapshots thing. And within the snapshots there are just numbered subvolumes. Those are the snapshots. And what and what gets mounted as a root for the root file system is the latest one of those snapshots. Because when it takes a snapshot, uh it creates a new uh snapshot the latest one is set as default so as far as i can tell the your route what is mounted as root is not the add subvolume but one of these snapshots that was the most uh, mind-boggling so basically they have a completely file system level way of doing snapshots but because i that's not what i uh I, i do that but i that's not the layout i want i had to i had to tweak it a little bit and i had to even use butterfs send and receive to get the the layout that I wanted, but now I do. Yeah, ButterFS. When you get into the subvolumes, you know it's kind of you got to teach yourself to wrap your head around yeah. that new way of doing. I still don't know everything stuff. that it can do because I always find oh. something new. 
you know, the incremental backups. I've never tried nesting things yeah, like that. The incremental backups is, is one of those things where you create a snapshot and move it to a different disk. And if you create another snapshot, because the previous snapshot is present on both disks, you can just tell it to you not move the entire new snapshot, just the difference. Just like ZFS. Yeah, ZFS yeah. does. I never tried ZFS. Um, it, it's almost the exact same thing. I mean, you're you're just moving, because it's copy on write, yeah. it's got a sense of, on a block level, it's got a sense of the data that's already there and the data that it needs, and then it knows that, which saves the life of the uh, device you're writing to. It saves, you know, IO cycles, whatever. And uh, and then it only writes what it needs. It only sends what it needs. Takes a fraction of the time that you would with something like R-Sync or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, it makes your it makes your hard drives last yeah. a lot longer. Yeah. The thing about that is I really wanted to go all in on ButterFS, but my biggest external drives are NTFS because I use them under Windows. And the way I, I think I mentioned that the way I managed to get ButterFS on Windows is just have uh, the ButterFS uh, partition mounted on my on my home server and just use a Samba share to to mount it put, to mount that on Windows. And it's well, you're in luck, Norbert, because of the ButterFS on Windows project, which is on GitHub, and I'll link that in the show yeah. notes. I I, I think you I think someone maybe you played it before, but I'm not. Sh- I don't yeah. know how. It's fantastic. Is it? It's fantastic. It works great. You even get all of the same options. The way the ButterFS for Windows project handles it is you can like click on the directory and then you bring up the little I don't know the prop the properties dialog on Windows. I'm doing a little Windows speak now. Like and like uh, the options you can, how you want to compress it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So there's a tab there now that says ButterFS and. Uh, you can you bring that tab down and you've got options you can enable and disable like the uh compression and um turn you can even turn copy on write on and off per directory um a lot of options i kind of wish were in linux to be able to just like click on stuff in the file manager and make changes like like if i create i don't know like a kvm folder with all my uh virtual machines on it you want to turn off copy on write on that because you'll be doing a double hit that might happen that might happen once uh, more mainstream distros like ubuntu switch to using better yeah yeah and that's that actually works really well let me see i'll find the website is this the uh m a harmstone butterfs this is a win butterfs win butterfs yeah. yeah and it looks like you can install it via chocolatey or scoop and to uninstall it, it's actually pretty simple so um so wait so you're telling me all I got to do on a Windows machine is to install WinButterFS and I'm able to like reach into my Fedora partitions and pull Correct. stuff out Have you tried that build? Are you using yes. it? Yes. Uh I don't have any Windows machines anymore. I've got Windows virtual machines, but when well, I damn did, it, he's got I Chrome. Was, I was I was using it because my I put everything on a big hard drive and I wanted to be able to manage that and after a little bit of Googling, I came up with this, and by God, it, it does everything from what I could. It's even got Z-standard compression, uh, which is nice for for either ButterFS or yeah. ZFS. Level 1 Z-standard so, uh, is, my, is my jam. What's yeah. interesting is uh, throughout how many distros I tried, in each distro I start, I picked at something, some some practice. I use Z-standard 1 because that's what Fedora defaulted to, and it just worked so well. It's really fast. So I just kept using it on all my systems. Yeah. Another thing that comes to my mind is how I have my, my shell prompt uh, broken into two lines. First line is uh, name at the host, then then the path, and I have uh, the, the input in the second line. Because if your if your directory path gets so long, then your value input is, is gets pulled, pushed all over to the other side of the terminal. So I just start typing and it shows up in a new line. Yeah. And that's what I picked up from MX Linux. Yeah. There you go, folks. Nice little trick. Yeah. So So you heard it here first, everybody. Uh swap to Windows. Yeah. No, swap to On ButterFS. Yeah. Yep. Well, swap to disk. Yeah. <laughs> swap to So I'm looking at this, yeah, I know that's what where you're your tabs now go, I man. See what you're talking about. Yeah. Chaco install WinButterFS. Yeah, I 
What I do is I just download. It says version. Oh, you can just download like a, an excuse. Yeah, it's yeah, at this a, point it might even be in Winget. I actually tried Winget a few days ago. I was curious and I just did a Winget update, and it found updates to like a dozen different things on my system that I installed uh, without Winget. So it was, it was a present present surprise, and uh, it just skips the next 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 wizard for you. It, at this point, it's actually a very present experience. At first I wasn't sure because there wasn't many things uh, packaged. It was kind of a Wild West feel to Winget, but now it's 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 great. Okay, so I see when you download the zip file from GitHub, yeah. you get a uh, you get a you and you blow it up, you get an ARCH64, an ARM, an X64 and an X86 folder and well you just right click and it, install the butterfs uh I and I or whatever that is. And it just kind of handles well, it for you and picks up its own um, architecture and everything. Yeah, but because Windows isn't because that it's bad, Bill. You yeah. don't gotta go that hard. <laughs> yes, but because well, I mean, if you go into the x64 folder, you've got a uh, mkbtrfs.exe. You got dot uh, executable. Yeah. It it, yeah, it handles right. all just... that. You you install it with the I forget if it's the ini or the inf, but you right click on one of them and click install, and it just kind of handles it for you. Does it just give a a a mount point letter for a partition and then you have the sub volumes can you mount different sub volumes with different uh, settings like different compression yeah yeah i mean well you're you're doing it window style yeah. so you're just right clicking on the uh sub volume on the folder yeah. the sub volume as it will and then you go to properties and then butterfs <laughs> and then you've got all of the options right there in front of you that are available for that um yeah so you're going to show you share screen this real quick, right? Uh, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah I want to see this <laughs> because I'm on Windows. But no, I mean it's you'll you'll immediately see how it works. It's 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 mindless. Um, it's probably more simple than what we're used to doing when we're interacting with ButterFS. But I mean, yeah, folks, give it a try and let us know how you get on with it. I'll, maybe I'll do a little tutorial video on a virtual machine or something. I wonder if I can install it in, in uh, Wine. <laughs> See what happens. Uh, I don't think Wine does the drivers, does it? I don't know. Let's see what it says. Yeah, because this is, this is full-on, like, installing a driver. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't have Wine on this system. Huh. But, yeah. I got to try this, yeah, too. This, no. this sounds pretty cool. I've got a Fedora no, partition. No, it's brilliant. How, uh, much of, how much of a heck is it? Because... It being Windows, it's it's probably I mean it's a completely user space uh, if it's not implementation. EFS, ext, uh, no what uh, ex fat or fat thirty two a hundred percent it's a hack, but mm -hmm. that's everything right. If it's not if it's not blessed by the Microsoft gods, then it's a hack. I I've used the XFS driver and then that silly little ext three driver that you can get with the weird interface where it mounts things, but it doesn't mount things or whatever, you know, I, I never really got on with it all that well, but that was, that was the go-to solution. Um, and I would put this in terms of usability and reliability, I would put this on top of all of those. So can you, uh, uh like if you pop in a new flash drive or whatever, and you want to format it ButterFS, can you do that in Windows? I think so. Um, we got a lot of things to try. I know that you, yeah, we that's that's a good question because I know you can create ButterFS. Uh, you can create like directories on a ButterFS drive, and you can create subvolumes with it. So I don't. So what about a flash drive that already has ButterFS on it? If I plug it in, will it auto mount for me, just the same as it would if it I think was... so? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it would follow it would follow Windows rules for like auto mounting. You know, sure, if it's sure. a if it's and then once it does, then it does everything the Windows where where it assigns it a letter. That's and absolutely all that, beautiful. But it... So I can get away from XFAT, is what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Absolutely. And from the user interface perspective. Unless you're messing around with the subvolumes and all that crap, like if you just had uh, a flash drive, like for example, where you had a ButterFS, what I like to do is a ButterFS on root type file mm -hmm. system where I don't mess around with partitions at all. I just 
It's just ButterFS. So on so when you're that when you're passing around the the ButterFS flash drive or whatever, do your fingers get greasy or is that just a, yeah, just a regular a little buttery? Butter? But yeah, okay. it's it's so tasty, you know. You can't you can't because it because it's real butter. It's proper exactly. butter. It's so I'm gonna have to have like fake. a garlic.txt in every ButterFS flash drive I have. <laughs> just uh, you know, make, Fantastic. It a little, make it a little tastier, you know. That's and then right. You gotta, Dangle you gotta food salt in front of your a fat guy's face. So a little salt in there too. Oh, boy, we could carry these analogies out all the way to the end of the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's. I I haven't used it in a while. Um, maybe about a year, just because I've uh, I completely got rid of all my uh, Windows partitions because I the things I was using Windows for could be just as easily done in a virtual machine. So I've been just kind of dealing with it that way. Yeah, and it looks like uh, um, they've got but, a couple of things that they need to do. Uh, uh, FS Verity support. I don't know what that actually, but it came in kernel 5.15, so that's something that needs to be implemented. But Verity or V E R I T Y FS Verity. And uh, yeah, because like when I read it the first time, and why I was going to bring it up is uh, FS Verify. That's what I thought. And um, and then yeah. after that, there's uh, defragmentation. So you can defragment these butterfs drives as yes well. cool. and that's another thing it can also you can also turn auto defrag ah, on Ah, so this the, is still listed under to do so it it's actually implemented then i uh, from what i can tell the the auto defrag i wonder was. i, I wonder if, if it just doesn't do anything like there's a checkbox there and you can check it but it doesn't yeah. actually do anything I wonder. But I mean, is that a is that a big deal anyway, you know? I don't I, know. I think maybe when your flash drive is 6 years old, it's like, well, maybe it's time to clean it up. But uh yeah. if you format a flash drive cuz I, I I tend to get uh smaller ones uh just for little jobs, um I'll format those things, man, 100 times in a month. Uh just I'm like, oh, new ISO. For flash it, flash it, flash it, flash it. Yeah. Yep. And also because it's copy on write, you know, it's not just you're not just getting random bits. All, you're not rewriting everything all the time. Yeah. So yeah. things are not getting moved around. Um, so, I mean, there's some advantages there. Can you, I don't know. Can you do the battery for send and receive and all those more interesting stuff that's on Windows? That's a question. That, that's something I never tried. Um, that would be... That would be another cool thing to uh, put into the file. Yeah, the but this is very, very much intriguing, this the entire yes. project. It's on the page. Yep. It's on the GitHub so page. So volume send and receive pull. is supported. <laughs> Scrubbing is supported. It's all... Trim is supported. Z standard supported. LZO compression. Yeah, that's Z-lib great. Compression. ButterFS is working better on Windows than it is on Linux. That's... Don't you dare say that. <laughs> what an awful thing to God. say. But, you know, I had to set that demon free. Otherwise, it would have ate me from the inside ah, out. Ah, buddy. Well, see, you know what you what you got to do is you just got to use a modern Linux, right? You can't you can't be you can't yeah. still be on Ubuntu twenty oh four trying to use the most modern features of ButterFS. That's just not how it's gonna work. So get yeah. on uh, get on twenty three oh four. Get on that lobster, baby. And uh, yeah, I'm have, gonna uh, be playing around with that this weekend at some point. And you'll have uh, all the ButterFS, man. All, all you need. Oh oh oh! Uh, don't you add butter to lobsters? See see. Oh, you add the lobster to the butter is what you do, oh. from what I can tell. You, so lobster is just butter flavoring. <laughs> you dip the lobster in the butter. It is a you have to, to get butter in your mouth. You bet. But you have to yeah. catch them first. You might want to like pull a, like, a pincer maneuver. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, man, when, when I get them, they're in the little glass case in the water, man. So. Let's go. Used that's, to have that's, those in the grocery stores around mm-hmm. here, but they don't anymore. I don't know if it was scaring children or... Containerization. Or yeah, containerized <laughs> lunar lobster. I like to. I prefer to right call on. them uh, crescent crustaceans. Mm. Oh, see that? See, we got to come back to seas, and then uh, it can be a crescent crustacean, right? Because they kind of do that thing, right? Like they they crescent shape sometimes. Well, you could just make it shrimp. <laughs> well, at any rate, we're gonna we're gonna probably try this butterfest thing. I'm gonna try it. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna add it to my Windows 11 virtual machine and then i'm going to create another volume that's what i'm thinking i will then, i will have to create yeah. virtual machine i don't have a windows virtual machine and i don't uh, i don't know if i want to experiment with it's, this on my bare metal windows install it's mindless you can get you can get an iso directly from windows and they don't care if you you they don't care if you uh uh, what activate it? Is that what they call it? They don't care about that anymore. You don't get some personalization options if you don't activate, but it 
yeah. doesn't stop you from using they, they it. They just complain just... every now and then, but uh, every once in a great while. Back in but... back in the Windows Seven days, they would shut you down after an hour. After yeah, an hour, I mean, just, see ya. Uh, but now it's just a uh, hey, would you would you please uh, activate? You can go dark mode, and yeah, yeah, you can either go light or dark mode. I think you've got like three or four choices as far as the look and feel of yeah. it, but you can't change your wallpaper. You got it. You're stuck with the which, yeah. Well, so what? Um, and you you can't do like fine tune color changes or that. So you can just get the ISO directly from Microsoft and then yeah, that's something make little... Linux supports now. Uh, specifically Ubuntu. If you activate your Ubuntu, you get uh, you you can update image magic after the first five years. Hmm. <laughs> Ubuntu. So Pro. everybody thought I was nuts when I came on Discord. No, you are nuts. And I started it saying just was a separate issue. Yeah. Yeah, they well you you don't know what you're doing, Bill. You know, okay, but it's not letting me update image magic until I sign up with for Ubuntu Pro. So now I'm I've got two devices on Ubuntu Pro. Um I wonder if that means I can well I don't know. I got three more to go and then I'll have to pay what, four hundred dollars a month or something. No, you year. get five machines for free. You get right. Well I'm using two, so I've only got three oh, left no. or I'll have to use I'll have to use Debian or something crazy like that. Wait a minute. So you're Arch. upgrading? Upgrading to Debian. What? Is that an upgrade? Yeah, from Ubuntu. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying the Ubuntu. I can leave these things sit for months and they nothing bad ever happens anymore. I shouldn't have said that. Boy, that's going to bring all kinds of bad. We we were just talking about getting hit by a buzz, man. We were just uh. talking. So that's how you wrap this show up right here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we didn't get to that, did we? It was I was gonna bring up? I was gonna try to steer back onto the self-hosting thing. I've not been able to figure There's out always a way next to time. that. I should not have. I should not have named that episode "Self-Hosting Part One" because now There's I'm always waiting next time. somebody to to hit me with that. No, you just name um, every episode "Part One." Just just <laughs> yeah, that's just dive into it, man. Just just fully embrace the part one. And uh, this, part this one, is Fedora episode one. Part one, and then <laughs> and then we'll just keep running with it, right? Like, but you never hit part two, never. Yeah, kind of like some of these software projects out there that have been on uh, version zero dot something or other for like twenty years. I can't think of an example. No, see, enlightenment. I think enlightenment is zero point twenty something or thirty yeah, something. Yeah, but when you hit one you're done. It's over. That's it. It's feature complete. Is that? I mean, that it's an existential crisis at that point, right? LXQ uh, uh, got to one point two in the in the past year. Oh, you see, yeah, see, when you go to one, it's it's over. You should stop. So you know, always keep it at like zero point nine nine point, and then just run those numbers up. You know, that's how game releases used to be. You just make a game, put it on a CD, and sell it to people, and they play it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> right, no, bought a full game. It's only the truly nerdy people that pay attention to things like that. Uh, anyway, yeah, we'll get more into that maybe next time. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Quick EMU, which I recently tried. Uh, I think well, it's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I forgot all about yeah. that. Yeah. It's a, next, next time is going to be Quick EMU Part 1. And, uh, so yeah, let's do that, that because it's probably yeah, because the it's... easiest way to spin up uh, virtual machines Anything? with with the with the, with QEMU on Linux. And I, I mean, you're tried, accepting a lot of yeah. somebody else's defaults, but yeah, you're... it supports you Windows, them. Linux, and macOS yeah. though. Come and on, uh, you can change them, and you know this. It will well, probably for my part. It was the easiest way to get macOS on a virtual yeah. machine, well, yeah, and so maybe also Windows. Yeah, I will probably give it a try for a Windows uh, virtual machine for this. There you go. Butter try FS out the butterfly driver thing on that. Yeah. Speaking of Windows, have you heard about the the uh, not the uh, Windows not activated watermark? Have you heard about the unsupported hardware watermark? When you get oh, Windows uh, 11, when you when you uh, work around the Windows 11 installer's uh, restrictions, uh, because it won't let you install it on unsupported hardware, but you hilarious. still manage to install it, you will get an unsupported hardware watermark. Does it does it prevent you from changing your wallpaper though? I have no idea. Mm. 
Okay, so make sure you turn off the... TPM in the quick emu thing so that it yells at you when you install Windows 11, and then you come back and... Ah, uh, okay, yeah, well. That, that's, and then find the that's hack to turn the off the That's the nice thing about uh, quick right. emu. When you yeah. tell it to want to Windows 11 machine, it will download the ISO, and it will also, also by default, uh, emulate uh, TPM. So it won't right. complain. And then you tell it, no, don't... I think it. it would be really useful for if you were spinning up virtual machines that you were gonna you had a specific purpose for it and perhaps you weren't gonna keep it very long or whatever it'd probably be a good use case for that um, but I mean I've never been successful in getting a Mac OS virtual machine until running. you followed my advice until I followed Leo's <laughs> advice yes yeah I, I I submit to that logic 100% because it it just worked. There's a few things you got to do, you know, just to kind of get around their their way of I don't know obfuscating things from you. I suppose it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, you heard it here um, first, folks. Just listen yeah, to me, and I'll you. make your life easy. And incidentally, too, the people that are part of that project, they've spun up. I'll give them a shout out. Why not? They've re What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's a reemergence of the Ubuntu podcast under a new. Oh, name. Linux Matters, yeah. Linux Matters. It's it's Mark Johnson, uh, Martin uh, Wimpress, Wimp I think. Uh, Martin Wimpress. Yes, I believe that's his name. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Popeyes. Yeah, that's Popeyes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, but I I listened to episode one and I was I don't know the the theme music. Eh. Take it or leave it. They it's, needed to bring back the old timey little yes, whatever music. I was hoping that was. they would. You know, the little the little organ grinder yeah. thing. No, it's they more had like and... stabs now. It's like you know, da -da 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 -da, and that's it. You know. Yeah, I should well, I should I mean, really check this one out because I never actually listened to the the OG Ubuntu podcast. Well, you missed out, man. It was, it's good. Mm -hmm. uh, you should go back on on a related stuff. note, the Fedora podcast, which I also haven't listened to, but oh, will probably back? start now. That's I think it's coming back uh, from a hiatus. It is, it is. Oh. I don't know if uh, Grayson's still involved with it. I know he'd been running it for about a year, year and a half or whatever. Um, but I know Matt, Matt DM, what's his name? Uh, it's his, that's his handle, but uh, Matt, he's important. <laughs> I can't remember his last name. Um, but yeah, he and I think one other person are definitely going to be on, uh, at least for the first episode. So we'll see how that goes. So the forthcoming... Uh, the door podcast. It'd be really cool if we could get those people to do a shout out for Linux OC on oh, those shows. Listen, I'm, look, I'm looking at valuable. the website, but for some reason, some websites are broken and the fonts are not fonts are not showing correctly for me in OpenSUSE, which is interesting. I I just I just mounted the 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 same sub volume where I keep my my Fedora flat packs, so I just I didn't install uh, anything uh, Firefox. I just. I just mounted it and started using it, so I'm not sure if it's that. I've tried to install a bunch of uh, fonts to maybe fix it. I, I, OpenSUSE has weird font rendering. You got to fix it. Like you have to actually tell it. Is it um, is it a stuff. thing? OpenSUSE a thing? Oh, it's a yeah. It used to be a thing in Fedora, and they fixed it. But OpenSUSE still. Uh, uh, I installed I installed Tumbleweed without Yast. Am I going to be in a difficult situation solving this? Oh, you're you're screwed. What? He, I didn't even know you could do that. Hold on, wait, wait. He so installed you on Leap? Tumbleweed without Yast. And then you yeah. went to Tumbleweed through Yast? No, I just installed Tumbleweed, no. but in the installer, you can just select and unselect uh, package groups and, and patterns, and then just un unchecked uh, Yast. Oh, well, just install Be it. Because when, uh, I mean, Yast, is, Yast works fine when you install it with uh, GNOME or uh, XFC or KDE, but when you just install it bare bones and put a Windows ma window manager it on, on it, uh, Yast, for some reason, doesn't work properly it will always open up a terminal window where you it asks for your password and then it opens up the gui and the terminal window stays open so it was weird so i was thinking maybe figuring it out installing it later but i can and i, I have managed to install the tui version of yast so maybe oh, i can use that yeah just use that okay all right well we better get out of here uh linuxotc.org everybody uh Hold on, linuxotc.org.everybody? That's a, that's a new TLD? No, I said linuxotc.org, comma. Oh, I don't, I don't think you can use commas in URLs. Yeah, so me neither. That's going to fail, I think. Okay, linuxotc.org, everybody. All right, there <laughs> <Yeah>. you go. <laughs>
Go there. There's links on the on the uh, homepage to what little bit of social presence we have, and then there's a link to the, have, the show's email. Which have you made progress on the uh, creating a Telegram group? I I imagine I that this have. is a more uh, okay, you say would be made more... progress like it takes more than twelve seconds. Norbert, why yeah. haven't you done it? That's a yeah, that's a good I, question. And it is a good question. Yeah, <laughs> we were inevitably gonna go back to that. Um, I should do that. I kind of what I was wanting to happen, and it hasn't. And maybe I was unreasonable for assuming it is that the community would kind of let us know where they would want to. Listen, those eight uh, people congregate uh, will let us know yeah. eventually. But uh, you say eight people, but we 18. have okay, fine. We have such a following now, and maybe I shouldn't say this don't, out loud. Don't but, do it. You're going to jinx it. Uh, well, Red Circle has started uh, monetizing us, so oh. We wait a minute. We Did are. You get a cut of that? You, as soon as money starts showing up, oh. yeah, you will. Okay. But it it also means that there's ads in the show, and I Ew. apologize for that. But they're not. They're not. They're fine. Can you and get, the minute you at least it's get not to fine, where they come in because yes, oh, okay. yes. So it can be because the way it works okay. is it'll put it'll put one in the beginning and then one after one that nobody's going to listen to because as soon as the ending credits start rolling, people just stop the thing Hold anyway can we also pick what ads from. are showing up we don't get to pick the simple ads that just kind of get added dynamically what are we because hawking? they're I'm curious now is it barbecue anything sauce? from um it made me choose it made me uh set up this thing where you know what kind of podcast are you and i just put you know technology you because cheese. that is like I'm good with Tillamook. Well, you know, and I can change it as time goes on, and I and I think that you know we've got a demographic that might be into this thing or that thing. But right now, the choices are really, really broad, really vague, and the, as close as I could get was was technology. So we're getting like uh, ads for apps or like general. It also goes by the Wait, demographic. Hold on. It, are it, we? Are we? Are we? Man, I wish it was like a video thing, like uh, where they would put that stupid Evoni game that doesn't look anything like what you're actually gonna play. Uh, in the, no, like I won't do that. No, it would be those. weird. Those great. It would be weird if we had stuff for like Microsoft Azure in in the podcast. Oh, 100 percent, dude. Yeah, that'd be great. I have very, I have a very, I think funny that, story I, video. I think we would have stuff like that. Uh, on the audio only. Yeah. Now Facebook is a, a separate thing altogether, or not Facebook. Uh, YouTube is a separate thing altogether, and we don't have near the performance on YouTube that we do on the audio only. I mean, we're in the thousands. Uh, in fact, I can tell you right now, we're we're several thousand downloads on the audio only. People listen to and this show? I just came in here to hang out with you guys. I told you before, day one, no. uh, the show Those outperformed Those are all bots. Mincast. They're all bots. Uh, <laughs> Every, but, all bots. Uh, um, oh, we've, we've made 69 cents. Except for B-Rad. Except so for B-Rad Mac. Uh, he, he is real. He is very real. And I like him. We've got average episode downloads, 855. Unless um, he's a bot. B-Rad, are you? Total downloads. I, I gotta ask. B-Rad, are you a I, I'm never going to tell. Um, it's you? To- You're controlling this. Total downloads, 4,558. So. No, all bots. I don't believe it. It's uh, it's all Bill. We're yeah, testing it's Bill. the... It, no, it's, it's all... Bill it's, testing it's, it's the Leo. feed. No, so, yeah, I was going to say, like, Bill's like, why is my battery performance so terrible? And then it's because he's downloading the podcast 4,000 times. So, interesting, interestingly, I thought, you know, because, you know, as far as money goes, we're getting paid by how many times the, the ad gets downloaded, right? So I thought, you know, what's to stop me from making a script that just creates this loop of downloading, you know, the, Surely they the do MP3? some kind of they absolutely checking. do because you try to you try to download something from the same I don't know if it's going by Mac now if it's going by Mac address I can spook you can put a you can make a script that'll spoof a Mac IP address maybe not Mac that's too local well you their Mac changer will change your Mac oh address. no no it, it certainly will but uh, they don't necessarily get that information on their end okay well then you can spoof an IP address easy. just as easily let me just fire up and VPN so, real quick uh, we'll get you know I don't know downloads. if it's that simple. Bill, but I could just let a script run twenty four hours a day. You mentioned uh, you mentioned dynamic uh, ads are dynamically uh, added to the, the the episodes. I have a funny story with yeah. that. I was listening to Marcus Brownlee's uh, Waveform podcast, 
and one day I just I just downloaded the latest episode and I clicked play and I started getting uh, ads in my ear in Deutsch and I was I was yeah. confused and I realized that I forgot to turn off uh, my VPN on my phone that was set to Germany uh, so it just it just injected some German ads uh, into my into my episode which was which yeah. was we in, need to do funny our own ads uh, like we need to do like a WinButterFS ad later. Oh, you mean a a, now we can, a segment can where add. we let's say focus on something? No, <laughs> yeah. Well, we but I already focused on I already focused on I already focused on Quickie MU. I, good, good. Well, we got to get those people to pay us to talk about. No, I do stuff. it for free. They're That's cool. The, I when it comes to yeah, open source projects, I'll do that all day long. No, the the ads are not a big deal. They're they're small and they're for like they're not a for big deal three to fat you, truckers. Bill. You don't listen to them. Well, I do because <laughs> oh, cool. I I listen to them because it, it plays before like the beginning of the show. But they're fine. They're they're proper professional. How long ads, are these like, ads? For huh? how long are they? Oh, just I don't know. Maybe fifteen twenty. Too seconds. long. Remove it. I mean, but they're <laughs> like for three fat truckers. You might. Because that's a different demographic. We'll get ads on there for like Home Depot and and uh, AARP and stuff like that. Wow, that's like telling. Insurance. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. <laughs> Can what you it is. sign up for AARP at Home Depot? That is a good question. Yeah. I mean, they're two separate ads, but they're. But then, no two people are getting the same ads either. Right. Uh, like if you go and you listen to it on iHeartRadio, you're going to get one set of ads and then somebody else will get another they're just kind of cycling through it i don't know how much intelligence they're putting into that but i do know all, that that's what's all, that's what's happening all i'm saying is um we're doing people favors if uh you listen to our show and you get abs like dude do you know like what kind of dieting and exercise you have to do to get abs that's right insane. you know we're just skipping the middle man you could look like this boom abs installed. in no time <laughs> so anyway yeah go Check out the website. Thanks, babe. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> and my wife. Um, <laughs> I am I am his wife. Yeah. Uh, LinuxOTC.org. Uh, email the show, LinuxOTC at Proton.me. Um, let us know what you well, think. Well, now that we have ads, we got to have like a real one, right? we got to have like a... Uh, the, problem, the problem is there's no way to know what ads are going to be playing so, no, I mean we, I uh, we got to do I've, the domain thing with the Proton and the and so it can be Linux OTC at Linux OTC dot Linux OTC dot com, you know whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, see, my first goal was to start hosting email. Oh, and don't then do that. when I started getting into no, that, just get well, a because you can do it with Docker. It. No, you can do it with Docker, and as long as you're not, I mean, y- you can have some relative. Success. If you it, have a if you have a no, pro, if you have a plan with Proton, you can add your your domain and just use their mail yeah. servers. Yeah, I I do that and it's that. it's a it's pretty. I don't know smooth. if I'm actually pointing at Norbert on the video, but Norbert. Well, we're paying Proton, so yeah. So oh, you got um, some. You, we already have the domain. Could do that. We do. We do. I have no excuses. If somebody would start emailing the show, then maybe it'd be worth. Okay, I'm gonna just start getting into the show. Okay, fine. Just start sending me crap all the time. Oh, now. You heard yeah, it. You heard it. Sign him up for like catpicks.com. Go ahead. Just the the news feed and everything. No, the videos. I like the videos, especially the ones that do cat kung fu. Uh, cat fu. I about said cat fu. Cat fu. <sighs> I don't have a cat of my own, so I have to watch and live vicariously through other people. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been at this too long. Anyway, look us up. Follow us. Tell us what you think. We love you all. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. Until which time, I've been Bill. I've been Norbert. I'm Leo. I'm still that guy. You're immutable. See you, folks. Immutable Leo. The immutable Leo. Oh! Smart. Killer.